Stinging wave, fox spear, lock is action, very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Tita's cat, Kempak's cat, Q has had enough of that, Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Monday, June 26th. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. That means we are live. That means you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now at 646-668-2433. And you're going to want to do that. You're going to want to join the search tonight because tonight we're in search of Spock and we have found him. That's right. We have found him. And he's right here live on the line and he wants to talk to you. So give us a call at 646-668-2433 and we will get you on the line. And of course, I'm not talking about Leonard Nimoy, because if we had a line to him, that would really be amazing. So we're not talking about Leonard Nimoy, but I am talking about one of the Spocks from Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, an awesome movie that came out on June 1st in 1983. Awesome movie. And I have with us the 13-year-old version of Mr. Spock, Vaj Potenza. How you doing, Vaj? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. It's going to be fun. So if you guys have any questions about Mr. Spock, the ears, um, the Genesis planet, uh, anything like that, give us a call and I'll get you right on the air. But before we dive right in, I want to go around and introduce you guys to my Trek Spurts. Uh, we're down one tonight, but that's okay. We have with us from Las Vegas, Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing all right. As we continue saying, it's a crazy weather. Yes, it's warm yeah. in Vegas, but it's still not 100. Well, that's okay. We'll survive. <laughs> we will. And we are. We will. And we have with us from Portland, we don't have our trifecta. We only have a dynamic duo, but that's okay. We have David, the donut guy. How you doing tonight, David? I'm pretty good. I'm out of homemade water, though. It's getting really hot. I got to go get some more. But did, did you bring the donuts, the peanut butter and jelly donuts? No, unfortunately not. But I got cookies. Does that count? Cookies is good. You can be the cookie guy tonight. That works. That's yes. fine. <laughs> <laughs> And also from Portland, we have our very own Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? I'm doing fantastic. I had a, a pretty darn good day. It was funny, too. I was talking to my daughter, and I was like, yeah, we're going to have the guy uh, who played Spock when he was 13 years old from Star Trek Three on the podcast tonight. And she goes, is he still 13 years old? And I said, <laughs> I don't think so, sweetie. I don't think so. 
no, I, I, I stopped I, aging at 25. <laughs> as, as Jim clearly saw at Trek Long Island. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I met him in person. He's a little bit older than 13. But but that might be, in, maybe that's in Vulcan years. I don't know. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that's right. You know, it could be Vulcan years. <laughs> Oh, so, anyways, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight. We'd love for you guys to, to join in and give us a call. 646-668-2433 is the number. And I just wanted to start in uh, a little bit, Vodge, and I wanted to talk to you about Trek Long Island. Uh, that's where I met you. Yeah. And you were there with your wife. Actually, your family was there except for your dog, if I remember correctly. Uh, that's, that's right. That's right. I, my wife and my 12-year-old twins, um, they were, we were all there together. Um, and that was actually my first ever con on that side of the table. I've been to, you know, cons, comic cons, a few Trek conventions as a fan. But this is the, that was the first time I ever went. And, you know, people kind of knew who I was and I signed autographs and did panels and stuff. Uh, so it was a really, really great experience. Now, I, I was kind of curious. Um, did your wife and, and kids know of your Star Trek legacy prior to Trek Long Island? And what did they think about all these people wanting to come and meet you? Um, yes. They absolutely knew. Um, I think all of us were a little bit surprised because, um, to be honest, I mean, I knew I wanted to be there with the um, with the Trek community and, and, you know, mind meld with everybody. But I kind of didn't think people cared that much just because, I mean, yes, I played Spock, but I'm one of 11 people now who's played him. I think I'm the Spock with the least screen time of any Spock, which I don't mind. I'm totally grateful. I will take it. Like, I don't, I'm like, I'm not bitter about it. I'm totally grateful for it. Um, but, you know, I think we were all a little amazed that, um, you know, people were interested in saying hi. So we're glad they were. I mean, you know, my wife always knew I had been in Star Trek. My kids knew and forgot just because um you know, it's not on their radar. They have they have twelve year old attention spans. Um, you know, at one point they were like, "Dad, you should show us that movie sometime." And you know, I showed it to them when they were younger, but that's not going to stick in their brains. No, um, no, I. So, go ahead. So we had the press kit from Star Trek Three right there on your table. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that that thing is kind of special to me, you know, any, any sort of um, physical evidence that that actually happened to me is great um, because it's really easy to convince yourself that you just dreamed it once a long time ago. <laughs> so if I can kind of page through that thing and look at my one ear that I managed to save, the other one was lost in a move um, and just, yeah, just, just look at the, the um, production stills and all that. Um, it sort of brings me back. Now, um, I, I, I have talked to you about this at the convention, so I already know the answer, but I'm sure that our listeners don't. So how about five foot actually, nine. That, <laughs> how did you end up getting the part in the first place? 
so um, I was a child actor living in L.A., and um, I, you, I don't know if you know this, but if you're a little kid in L.A. and you don't have an agent and a headshot, they basically call CPS on your parents and have you taken away. Um, so Abuse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I was no different. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I went out for a lot of stuff that I didn't get. Um, and um, it was Star Trek was a little surprising only because when I went, it was Leonard Nimoy who interviewed me at the casting call and only Leonard Nimoy. Wow. Um, and there normally when I would go out for these things, it, you know, you go to a waiting room and there's, 200 other kids that look like slightly better looking versions of me um, that are slightly more funny and intelligent. And we're all up for the same part. And that was not the case with Star Trek. Um, So my agent called and just said, yes, you have a call for Star Trek. That's all I know. Um, And I went and, um, and just chatted with Mr. Nimoy. It was very casual. It was very, um, uh, you know, I went in and introduced myself, and we shook hands, and he asked me about the origins of my name, uh, and um, we had we had um, ancestors kind of from the uh, same part of the world, um, what is uh, current, uh, Ukraine, what I thought at the time was Russia, but is Ukraine, uh, you know, and I don't know, we had that in common, and we kind of smiled and made eye contact at that point, which... I may may have helped me in some way. I mean, there there really was no. Um, he asked me if I could do the live long and prosper sign, and I remember forming it with my hand, thinking, "Oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I've ever tried to do it." And then my hand made the L L and P sign. Uh, so that's the uh, medium version of the story. Excellent. Um, Excellent. Now, uh, yeah, it was – sorry, go ahead, please. I, I wanted to ask you as well, have had you seen Robin Curtis prior to Trek Long Island, or was that the first time you've seen her since uh, the search for Spock? First time since that fateful day on the Paramount lot back in 1982. And what was it like uh, seeing her again for the first time for the last time? It was so amazing. It was like I like felt like we just instantly connected and got along and you know it was just um, it was just so great talking to her and um, doing the panel with her and you know seeing the way she talks to fans like she's such a pro the way she just kind of brings people out and gets them talking and um, it was just a joy it was really cool. What was your um, first panel? I mean, that that was the first panel you've ever done at a Star Trek convention, correct? Correct. And what what was your what was your opinion of it? Is it something you'd like to do again? Was it everything you expected, or was it more than you thought it would be? Or what what did it feel like to be up there for the first time? Um, I had a great time. It was a little bit of an out of body experience. I mean, at at the end, I had a couple friends in the audience and. I was like, I did, did I make sense? Did, did I just word salad for the last 30 minutes? But um, apparently I did okay. Um, but it was wonderful. I mean, it was really, it was great 
getting Robin's perspective on shooting the film because, you know, my memories of it are sort of limited. I was 12, uh, you know, at this point, it's more impressions than specific things that happened. Um, and so it was just cool having Robin there to fill in some of the blanks and talk about her experience and talk about what it was like working with Nimoy, um, you know, and having her sort of validate some of my memories. Um, and, you know, just, just communing with the, um, with, with, with the Trekkies and the Trekkers was really good. It was, um, what was your is your wife was she a Star Trek fan uh, prior uh, to your um, involvement in these conventions or not exactly a Star Trek fan but she's not not a Star Trek fan um, I mean she's a bit of a cinephile she's a screenwriter and um, you know she you know back 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 she lived in L A a long time ago too and you know she used to do extra work and all these movies. And so, you know, I, I think she likes Star Trek and just more than that, kind of just loves the craft of filmmaking in whatever form it may take. She's more of a horror movie girl, but, you know, she likes Star Trek. Well, she seemed pretty knowledgeable when I was talking to her. She seemed to, you know, know her pointed ears from her Klingon ridges. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, she's you know. a smart lady. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Can, I gotta say, Jim, I, I, I did not when you came back dressed as a Klingon. I did not realize it was you at first. I, you know, because we, we spoke, we spoke before you got into costume, and we had a nice chat, and then you came back with your ridges and your bat lips, and yeah. I thought I was just speaking to a completely different Klingon. And so, and you, and you know, so, I mean, you I know figured what I it out doing? about halfway. Go ahead. <laughs> there was a captain. They had a captain's chair uh, kind of to the left of where your booth was by General Martok down there. Um, yes. And they had a captain. They had the captain's chair from the Enterprise with a backdrop. And I was standing in the corner by Barbara Luna with my bat list. And whenever people sat down in that chair for a photo op, I would photobomb them and jump out with my batlet and behead them. Oh. And the people uh, absolutely I... loved it, and they'd keep asking me, can you behead me next? Can you do me next? So I was just kind of standing there chopping people's heads off with my batlet. <laughs> a day well spent. A day well spent for a Klingon warrior. And yourself. it wasn't even Wednesday because beheadings are on Wednesday, so I, it was That's... only Saturday. <laughs> The bonus beheading day. Oh, I, I but, wish. Yeah. yeah, I wish I had taken a picture with you beheading me. I missed that opportunity. Uh, you, you told me about it at the con, but I was—I I admit I was a little scattered that day. Well, there was a lot going on. It was busy. It was your first convention, and uh, you know, it was—it was a blast. So, what? What? I want to ask you: What did your kids think about? about me as a Klingon, my Batlet, everything that was going on at this major Star Trek convention. Had they ever been to an event like that? They had. Like, we, we've um, we've taken them to a, a few Comic-Cons. We, almost every year, we go to Terrificon in Connecticut, 
um, at Mohegan Sun. Um, again, just as fans, not as, you know, not how running a table or anything. Um, so they're very familiar with cosplay and events like that. They've never been to a Star Trek specific convention. It's almost always a Comic-Con. Um, but, you know, they know their dad's an old sci-fi nerd and, um, they know that world. They like that world. I mean, they've, they've taken on their own sort of love of different aspects of, of sci-fi and fantasy and, you know, my daughter's like a really big Dungeons and Dragons player and, um, you know, they, they, I mean, we, we, we often watch age appropriate horror movies as a family. And, and so they're, they're very up to speed on a lot of sci-fi fantasy genre stuff, not exactly Trek, but they were, you know, they were, they enjoyed it. They liked it a lot, but they weren't necessarily um, shocked by it. Right. And while you were there, did you get an opportunity to meet any of the actors that, that, that you were, uh, I guess, enamored with or, or excited to meet? Did you meet any of them and get a chance to part of the Star Trek family? You know, Other than I Robin, did not. I, 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 wish, I wish I had actually gone and said hello. Well, who, I spoke briefly to, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm blanking on names now. Um, the woman who plays the, a doctor on Disco, and um, she was a panelist, um, and she did a panel on, on, uh, on diversity and inclusivity in Star Trek. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Um, I, I know uh, who you're talking I'm, about. Oh, yeah. Oh, Raven. Raven, yeah, Raven something. Yeah. Dowda. Dowda. Yeah, that sounds right. Yes. And so um, just I, I went to that panel for part of it because um, Robin was doing it as well. And um, I was very much touched by it. So I, I spoke to her back at, back at the table. She came by our tables later and I spoke to her. I wish I had actually gone and spoken to more of the actors. Um, I was I, I was a little bit. Um, I didn't wander too much. I, I felt this being my first con and me looking nothing like I looked at age 13, um, I felt the need to kind of stay at my table in case people came by and wanted to talk. I didn't want to miss anybody, which um, probably wasn't necessary. But because of that, my, my con wanderings were shorter than I normally would have liked. Well, uh, Sandy Gimple the salt vampire was right directly across from you, which, yes, which was cool. Was. Bar- yep. Um, and and Barbara Luna was also there too. Yes, that is true. And I, uh, Sandy Gimple, I kind of waved at from across the way, um, but we didn't chat. Barbara Luna whenever she showed up, it seemed like immediately there were, you know, fans there with her and I didn't want to just jump in front of people and, you know, and, and, and introduce myself. I wanted to let the fans have access to her. So, um, no, I mean, other than Robin and Raven, I really, I did not connect that much with the, um, with other cast members. Um, 
much to my own regret. Well, um, did they, didn't they have like a, a dinner with the stars type of a thing on, was it Friday night or Saturday yes. night? Yes. Yes. Uh, and I was there uh, and I was at a table with Robin. And, um, oh, okay. that makes and sense. you know, and yeah, so that I was at, you know, it was the Robin and Vodge table, and, um, you know, there were other tables around. Um, I didn't get up too much from my table. Um, also because there was, there was entertainment going on on the stage, and I, I kind of, you know, it felt disrespectful to them to be getting up and moving around and chit-chatting. Um, they they, they well, brought in that wonderful, like, like Trek-based improv group. They were so good. Stephanie says that next year they're going to make that that dinner with the stars available to everybody. So um, anybody will be able to buy a ticket to that until it's sold out. So that'll be nice. Yeah, that'll be great. That'll be really my, cool. my wife wanted to go. She, my wife says, "Well, you got to get tickets for the dinner with the stars and." but you, they weren't available to the general public. You had to buy the Q pass to get that. So, But they're not going to do that next year. So any, anyone that wants to buy one can. Well, you know what? I have, I have taken up a lot of your time, and I already had an opportunity uh, to, not, to talk to you and meet you in person at Trek Long Island. So I think I'm going to turn the mic over to Eric because I'm sure Eric has some questions that he wants to ask. So go ahead, Eric. Hey, okay. Vaj, thanks for joining us today, man. This is super fun to have you on here, especially since I have not met you previously. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really fun being on here. Um, also, I, I, this is this is my first Trek podcast, too. Nice. Con, I should oh, say. Man. So you guys are getting all kinds of firsts out of me. Woo, woo. I love it. We always love uh, having folks like you on the podcast because I feel like there's a lot of um, Star Trek that's like in the – in the nooks and crannies that like actually is super important for knitting it all together. And I think you're one of those components. So it's, it's cool to have you here. Um, yeah. So I guess, so I understand 12 years old. I mean, mm-hmm. what the hell was I doing when I was 12 years old? I don't really remember. So you said <laughs> you don't really. Comparison you, is a thief of joy, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> so you probably don't you know, remember too much about that, but um like through, so from 12 forward you know was there was there a recognition that you had done that thing like like when you were in high school or uh in that kind of immediate time frame following that did it do you feel like it had i guess the question that i'm getting after is do you feel like it had a little bit of an effect outside of just the fact that you were in a movie like did it influence um, any other part of your life at all or Yes and no. I mean, you, you have to keep in mind that I was I was a kid living in L.A. and sure. there were a lot of kids in movies, and so it, it was, you know, the people that knew about it thought it was cool, um, but um, I, I don't know that it changed my life. I mean, you know, people weren't knocking down doors to get to me or anything like that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I, you know, I didn't talk about it a lot. Uh, well, I didn't volunteer the info because it just felt kind of um, normal. Um, I don't know. Just, just like everybody was doing it, or 
No, just, just I, I didn't want to sound like I was bragging. I didn't know okay. how to just start a conversation to just be like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Did you know I was in Star Trek? Um, you yeah. know, like I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, liked it. I wanted it to come up naturally, which, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. But, I mean, the first thing and one of the hardest was when I got the part, they told me I couldn't tell anyone that I got the part, mm-hmm. and they told me to grow my hair out long so they could, mm-hmm. you know, cut it and style it how they wanted the day of the shoot. And that was about three months out from the shoot day. Uh, and then I happened to start junior high, seventh grade, that same, you know, that, that fall. Uh, so basically a brand new school, much bigger than my last school. And I'm this kid, little kid with really long hair mm. at a time when very much not the style, you know, it was, it was very much like this sort of, like clean cut surfer boy vibe. Um, you know, people mistook me for a girl and, you know, the people that knew I, who I was a boy, like were, were giving me grief for having long hair and I couldn't tell anyone, you know? Mm. So I just kind of sat, I mean, my good friends knew my inner circle knew, but you know, I couldn't be like, I'll have, you know, sir, that this is because I'm in Star Trek. Sure. Uh, sure. So, you know, I mean, in retrospect, three months is such a short time. But, you know, at the time, it was kind of like gritting my teeth and getting to that day of the shoot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then afterwards, I was allowed to tell people that I was in the movie, but not allowed to tell them anything else, um, which I probably wouldn't have been able to tell them anyway, because even after I shot, I knew I had very little in terms of context of you know, where my scene fit into the larger film. I didn't have script pages or anything like that. Um, sure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it really came up more as just just a piece of trivia, a interesting trivia attached to my life. And, you know, friends that were Trekkies thought it was cool, and friends that weren't, you know, kind of shrugged and went, oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> right, um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was also because I never really volunteered it because I never really, you know, I guess stood on the laurels of having been in Star Trek, you know, I didn't think, I mean, I thought it was a big deal to me, but I didn't think it was a big deal to most um, Trekkie or not just because, you know, I, I, I was, yes, I was Spock and that was awesome, but I was not Spock for very long. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, And, you know, in some ways, I think what I'm hearing from you is kind of some of the same stuff that I hear from other folks that I know from L.A. who were kids in that same kind of situation that, you know, it's a it's a weird game to be part of. And so, you know, there's this whole component of, yeah, yeah, I was in a movie. And then there's this whole component of. Yeah, I was in a movie, but it was like a weird time in my life, and it was kind of weird to be in it, and I don't remember everything about it because, you know, that was just part of this culture that I was in. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a factory town. Yeah, and, totally. And I'm, not, and I'm not an L.A. hater at all. No, I mean, no, 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 I, I really, no, that's not a bad know, thing. I, yeah, I, yeah. I love it, and, you know, I love filmmaking, and I love filmmakers. Um, but, you, you know, it's it's – it's just kind of the, the music of the spheres, you know. I mean, the joke is you go into a restaurant in L.A. and you go from table to table and everyone is more or less having the same conversation, you know, just yeah. at different points. 
discussing, you know, casting or the cinematography or, you know, the art direction or, you know, whatever it is. So on one hand, it was very special. And on the other hand, it didn't feel quite special enough to like want to shout it from the rooftops. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, On the other hand, I do remember looking in the mirror and trying to convince myself that I was actually going to be in a Star Trek movie. (laughs) So I, I, you know, I really, I want to emphasize that it was a big deal to me. Like I was excited. So you were a Star Trek fan prior to being in a Star Trek movie? Absolutely. Um, So tell, tell us more about that. Like what's your Star Trek origin story? So I have very early memories of just watching the original series and playing with the Mego dolls. They didn't call them action figures yet. Um, somewhere in a box, there's a picture of me at five years old on Christmas morning with like the, the Enterprise Bridge play set and, and the crew, you know, and I'm just smiling ear to ear. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I, I, I grew up around the original series, but also just I loved all sci-fi and fantasy and genre stuff. And, you know, in the 70s and 80s, it was a lot more rare than it is today. Um, you know, these days there's so much amazing stuff being made, you know, trying to consume it all. is kind of like trying to drink from a fire hose. Um, it's just going to blow the back of your head out. I told my uh, wife I never I never believed that geek culture would become mainstream. Like I never yeah. believed it as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know, I, I'm sure you feel the way a lot of us feel, where it's both a blessing and a curse. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's wonderful, but you know, part you know part of you is like, hey, I was into this stuff when it wasn't cool. <laughs> Um, I kept those fires burning, but no one cared. That's right. Um, um, But yeah, I mean, so, you know, it was like, like sci-fi was rare. I mean, we had, we had Trek, we had Wars, we had Doctor Who, we had Battlestar Galactica. We had, you know, whatever Roger Corman was cranking out. I kind of have a soft spot for Battle Beyond the Stars, which Mm -hmm. was like his, you know, cheap Star Wars knockoff. Um, you know, I so love that just... movie, by the way. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> so I do too. Shout out. <laughs> Written by John Sales as mm-hmm. a um, you know definite homage to Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. And um, John Boy was in it too. <laughs> that's right, John Boy. From the Walton. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I have a. I have a. I have a. I have a real soft spot for that movie. Um, but, you know, so back, back to your question, Eric. We would just devour anything, anything sci-fi, and, and just, you know, just try to just parse any detail, you know. We, we would um, kind of like, you know, you were saying earlier, you know, people just sort of fill in these, these blanks around Star Trek. I mean, we would try to do that with everything, you know, just based on, a prop in the background or, you know, like a, a, an offhand line someone said in the movie. We would just sit there and discuss it and argue over it. And it, you know, it fired our imagination. Um, it inspired us creatively. Uh, so by the time, I mean, when I found out that I got a call, um, a casting call for Star Trek, I mean, I was very, 
I didn't get my hopes up because most of the stuff you go out for, you don't get, you know, and I kind of figured I would go talk to some casting directors and they'd say, thank you very much. And I, you know, have a little story like, Hey, yeah, I went out for a Star Trek movie that I didn't get. Um, Mm -hmm. But then I wound up getting it for some reason. Well, that must've been pretty incredible. And then, so let's see. So that was 83, 84. So then, you know, 87, TNG hits, did you just pick it up and kind of keep following Star Trek all throughout the years? Like, did you watch the shows as they were coming out? Yeah, I actually remember um, after TNG premiered, sitting on a school bus with a bunch of friends, kind of just going like, yeah, wow, they really nailed it. It really feels like Star Trek. Yeah, I think this is going to be good. You know, it was literally, we just watched the first episode. Yep. Um, and, and I won't say, like, I watched every iteration of Trek consistently. There are huge gaps um, in my intake. Just there were times, like, later in life, like, you know, kind of in the salad days when I was in college when, you know, uh, you know I had a TV and a VCR but no cable. So, you know, if, if Star Trek was on at a friend's house, I would watch it. But, you know, I, I, didn't, I wasn't a regular watcher. As much and are as you I up, loved it. And are you up on kind of like the new shows, like the Strange New Worlds and the Discoveries and the Lower Dexes and all those? So, uh, yes, but not 100%. So right I on. haven't started season two of Strange New Worlds yet. Yep. Um, but I really am digging it, very much so. Um, Lower Decks is kind of a family affair. Like, we all watch that together. Nice. Um, um, there's something for everybody. Yep. Um, and then, you know, uh, uh, I'm way behind on Picard. Um, I've watched some of it, but not all of it. Uh, again, this is that fire hose thing, like trying to, mm-hmm. you know, consume mm-hmm. it all so hard. And then, and then Discovery actually has kind of a special place for me. I know it's not everybody's favorite new Star Trek, but kind of in the middle of 2020, like during the lockdown, um, I was just feeling generally kind of, you know, crappy about the world. And um, I I just, I was like, I need Star Trek. And I just Mm -hmm. turned on Discovery and it was like this healing balm for me. Um, Just because, you know, Star Trek is always optimistic. You know, even at its darkest, it's an optimistic vision of humanity. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, I was watching some other show that I won't name because it's really great, but it's really dark. <laughs> and I was and, and I was just not not a Star Trek show. Um, yeah. And I was just like, I just this is good, but I just can't do this right now. Like, I just I just it's making me feel worse about the world. Yeah. So I turned on Discovery, and you know, lo and behold, the Adventures of Michael Burnham just you know gave me that little that little glimmer of, of hope for humanity that I think I think we all kind of find in Star Trek. I don't know. I can't speak for all the fans, but mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I do uh, not think I do not think that you are alone in that, brother. Like I actually found the same thing in Discovery, you know, and and I think that we talked a lot on the podca- podcast about how that show felt like it had it had the same kind of like emotional effect on me, but everything was 21st century you know, like the, you know, the 
not only the CGI and yes. all of that kind of stuff, but the way that it was written and the way that people acted it and the way that the lighting worked and, you know, uh, everything. It was just kind of updated, but it felt like Star Trek. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I feel a little bit like I was thinking about this today and I feel a little bit like the, the, the modern, like the, the, the modern iterations of Trek, Picard, Discovery and Strange New Worlds, to me are almost like a promise fulfilled. Um, and, and what I mean by that is like, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not a purist in any way. Like I love Star Trek, but I don't have any hard fast ideas about like, you know, this is Star Trek and this is not. And, you know, like watching, watching the original series, it's brilliant for what they could do at the time. But obviously if they had, you know, the visual effects capabilities that we have now, it would be very different. So in, in some ways, these modern Treks are kind of what I always imagined Star Trek could be in terms of, you know, just, just expanding worlds and, yeah. and, and visual effects, but also just, just just seeing things from a wider perspective, you know. Sure, um, sure. Which is kind of a way that, like, I feel like we as, you know, a society, as a planet, are doing now, right? Like, we we just right. think about people and humanity and the planet and all that kind of stuff a little differently than we did back in the day. So, yeah. 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 Um, all right. So, last question before I pass the interview microphone ahead then. So, since you have um, – you have verified that you have kept up more or less with Star Trek. I got, I got one two-part question. A, favorite series. B, favorite captain. They can be different. Ooh, wow. Um, <laughs> oh, man. You know, this is, these are things I've lost sleep over. We so all have, favorite, my friend. Favorite series. I mean... I, I, I mean, I, I almost feel like a fraud saying this because I haven't seen as many episodes, but Deep Space Nine might Hell be yeah. my favorite series. Hell yeah. Um, just because, but, but, I, but I have to say, like, I, I, got, I have to, like, I have to give the caveat that, like, there's a lot of Deep Space Nine that I haven't seen just because that was during the period when I didn't have a TV at home and, you know, I watch it at friend's house and I watch it in reruns now. Um, but just the tone of it, the way it expanded the galaxy, the way, you know, um, it brought in, you know, just, just a little more grit to Star Trek. Not, you know, I mean, it still kept its basic humanity and kind of optimism, I think, but it, it you know, um, but I will say when I think of, of Star Trek, captains um often like when i'm in a stressful period of my life and i think and i think to myself like okay you know how how would how would it you know okay i'm dealing with a kobayashi maru right now like what what captain would deal with this best um i always go to picard in my head mm-hmm. so um it might be picard there you go there you go. You heard uh, it here first, people. Um, <laughs> but you know, ask, ask me tomorrow, and I might change my mind. Well, you know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to prime you by saying that depends is an okay answer, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's you know, um, adult undergarments aside, you know, I feel like I had to just make my statement. I love for it. better or I for love worse. It. 
thank you very much for actually uh, standing up and uh, saying what you believe, brother. <laughs> all, right, all right. All right. All right. Well, thanks for thank chatting you. with me. I'm going to pass this interview microphone right along to Charles. Take it away, Charles. All right. Uh, hey, Charles. Hey. Hard to get hard to get questions in now. Um, Sorry, I guess comments, I got chatty. Few comments. Few comments from what you said. When you say, "Oh, it's your first first convention," and mm-hmm. you were surprised how the fans would react to you, yeah. you're not the first actor that I've heard say the same thing. I've heard of many actors who had a small part in Star Trek, and yet find out they're part of the Star Trek family and how much attention they'll get at a convention. Coming up very soon is Mission 57 for a lot of fans, a.k.a. Star Trek Las Vegas. Right. And even there, I've seen fans that, hey, you were involved in the Star Trek, um, I think it was a couple of years ago, the scientist from Star Trek Four, that mm-hmm. one young lady, she was there having yeah, a yeah. table. So... Any involvement in Star Trek, the fans will love the conversations. And, you know, I'm so so happy. Go ahead. I'm looking forward to, I think, getting a new perspective of you on screen because we've attempted attempted something this year, and due to timing, we've had trouble doing it. But my local Star Trek club does viewing, viewing parties. Mm-hmm. And we got to Star Trek 1 at the end of the year and got busy. And I think it was last month, finally got to Star Trek 2 on somebody's big 4, uh, oh, 4, I say 4H. The big 4D screens, the big 60-some-inch mm-hmm. screen. Where you get, you oh, know, like 4K. 4K, yes. 4K. And uh-huh. the and next that was, one, sorry, that was Star Trek 2 that you watched Star on Trek that? 1 and t- Star Trek 1 and 2. 1 okay. is incredible in 4K. 2 was very they... good. I'm waiting because the next one we're running soon will be Star Trek 3. Have they done a remaster of, of 2 and 3 for 4K? I do you know? know. Don't think they've done a remaster yet. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's I, complicated and expensive. Is, but. There is some... I think it was the director's cut, so there's a couple of additions in the Star Trek 2. Like, I think the creature crawling out of the ear... I think was a lot mm-hmm. more detailed in the director's cut than it was the original movie. So I can't okay. wait to see what three looks like. Oh man. Yeah. And we're doing yeah. that soon. That's exciting. You know, I actually, yeah. um, we have a, you know, during COVID we, we bought an outdoor projector just so we could watch movies in the yard. Um, you know, and every summer now we kind of decide what outdoor movies to watch and, um, you know, my, my kids, since they couldn't remember seeing me in Star Trek three, were like, well, can we, can we do that on the projector? And I said, yes, but you have to watch Star Trek two first. Otherwise, you know, three mm-hmm. has no context. Uh, so yep. we haven't done it yet, but 
but that, those are on the docket for us, two and three, you know, on the projector in the yard. I'm going to tell you, if you ever get the chance of watching Star Trek, the motion picture on 4K, the the new one, you have to see it. Oh, I will. I, I would love to. V'ger is incredible. They've completely redone the looks of V'ger. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Yes. So when I, when, I, when I booked the part of Spock, you know, they sent me to this little visual effects shop to get molds made of my ears so they could make the points later. I had to sit with plaster molds on my ears. Uh, and they had, mm-hmm. a dog named, they had a dog named V'ger there, which oh. I thought was kind of cool. It's like cute little Australian shepherd. And they were, uh, they were working on masks for the movie Buckaroo Banzai at the time. They had all these, like, you know, these, these heads set up with latex parts on them. Anyway, V'ger just made me think of the dog in the yeah. VFX shop. And I understand so, completely about what you mean about the sci-fi eras. I looked at your IMDb just a little bit, and it's like, yeah, I'm just a couple years older than you are. But going and seeing, you missed one in that set. Buck oh, I'm sure I did. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Buck, you know, it's oh. funny. I, I watch, I like constantly, I watch Buck Rogers on MeTV almost every weekend. I used to until recently my cable I, dropped MeTV for a while, and I haven't uh, gone back to see if they've uh, ever gotten it back. But I don't actually, yeah, I haven't seen it in, I, 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 have, I haven't seen it in a few months. I, I don't know if he's still in the lineup because, I mean, I always watch Spanguli if I'm if I'm around, and then usually after that is Star Trek and then Buck Rogers or that was it mm-hmm. for a while, at least where I live. So, yep. yes, I remember, I remember that TV. myself. Yeah, um, and I, you know I didn't realize until much later. I mean it was it was Glenn A. Larson was creator of Buck Rogers as well as Battlestar, correct? I think so. Do we know? Yeah, so, I mean yep, they, they 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 share. They don't share visual effects, but they certainly share sound effects. Like all the sound yeah. design from Battlestar Galactica is just the same on Buck Rogers. Um, but it's so hard. But yeah, to, it's so hard Go to ahead. believe that the original Battlestar Galactica was one season. I know, isn't that amazing? It felt mm-hmm. so all-encompassing at the time. I mean, and especially that you know, like I could have it at home on my TV. Like that was unheard of like mm-hmm. that was the difference that was the difference space, i'll space just break in and QPP. say like yeah spaceships on tv versus spaceships in yeah. the movie theater was huge because like yeah. i was young enough that i had to take my folk or my folks had to take me i guess you know yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah. and sometimes we had to beg for it absolutely mm-hmm. um yes so uh yeah there's a few i skipped i mean buck rogers obviously uh you know also like both of Ridley Scott's early visions of the future, Alien and Blade Runner, were also hugely influential to me. Um, mm-hmm. My parents took me to see Alien at way too young an age, uh, which, <laughs> you know, probably scarred me for life in both good and bad ways. But, yeah, just, just, just any, anything, like, anything like that, I just want I, – I had some of the Buck Rogers toys as well. Oh, it was Meeper, it was uh, Bowser Galactica, having a Viper yeah. – and oh, a yeah. uh, Cylon ship. Cylon Raider. And mm-hmm. I liked those because they were smaller, right? They were, they were like, the, 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 the figures were 
were only maybe an inch high, right? Am I remembering that correctly? I didn't have the figures. Like I the, had the ships. Okay. So yeah, and the ships, were like they were a, a lot, of, they were smaller. They weren't like the Star there were, Wars there were like figures. They were ships. Yeah, right. They were like they they were like knee high to a Star Wars figure, because there were ships that came with like little like like you could get the Cylon Raider with a little Cylon that sat inside of it. But you might have had something different. I had something different. I had the ones yeah. that actually shot. Oh, very cool. Yeah, the ones that shot the little missiles before they they yeah. made them safe. Little red safe plastic missile. Yeah, from all all his kids that were trying to eat them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, come on, they look like candy. What were we supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, they fit perfectly in your nose. I think, you know, you're a 13 year old kid. Where else is it supposed to go? There's a lot of holes to fill, man. You're gonna start putting stuff in until. <laughs> <laughs> this is a different podcast, I think. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Toy missile confessional. <laughs> oh. Oh, um, anyway, so, I'm sorry, Charles. I, I, I'm, I'm all right. Ready. That's Please fine. Go on. Before I pass you on to David, any projects that you've done since Star Trek that you want to talk about? You have memories um, of? Uh, acting, not a ton. I did. Um, I, I work mostly as an editor now, um, and I and I cut a micro budget indie last year uh, called UFO Club that's available on Amazon. Um, uh, and it was written and directed by a guy who's a big Trekkie. And also uh, there's a lot of Treks in the film and there's a lot of X-Files um, because his wife is a, like, she has an X-Files podcast and uh, it's called UFO club. If you want to check it out. And um, there, there is a, there is kind of a, a scene where a couple of the characters are talking about Star Trek and I have a little cameo on that. Uh, so I don't know. That was fun. That was actually, um, uh, that was, I've worked as an editor for a lot of years. That was my first feature film that I fully cut start to finish. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we got a nice little festival run and we got distribution. So can't sneeze at that. Um, Acting wise, though, you know, uh, other than you know, occasionally just appearing in a friend's short film or something, I, you know, after Star Trek, I figured what could possibly be better than being in a Star Trek movie. So, you know, I I, I kind of got out of it, you know, around probably a couple years after I did Star Trek, you know, just my interest in it faded. I just wanted to like, you know ride my skateboard and learn to drive and be super awkward around girls. And, you know, that was just kind of what took my attention away. All right. Well, let me pass you on to David and see what David's got. Hello. Okay. David. Hello, David. How's Hello. it <laughs> Pretty hot over here, actually. It's getting really warm. You're um, in Portland? Yeah. Portland, sure. Maine or Portland, Oregon? Or Oregon. Oh, okay. And it's hot over there, huh? Yeah. It's about, and next week can even be even hotter. It can be like, oh my goodness. I live in an oh, apartment wow. building, so it's usually about five degrees hotter in here than it is outside. So. <laughs> oh man, and that's so yeah. unusual for Portland too. You know, I mean, <laughs> you always think of Portland as being sort of like cool and temperate. 
No, I've only been you're... a couple times, but it used yeah, to be, is... man. It used to be that way, and it's really like honestly, the last five or six years, where all of a sudden we're getting up to like 110 in the summer, and we're getting oh. down to like 30 degrees and having snow in the winter. It's crazy, crazy yeah, land yeah. breaking. It's anyway, now known as bipolar city. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're your trade, I guess. You know, we adapt. Yeah. <laughs> Hang in there. Assimilated. I like the board. Drink, yeah. Drink water. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. So um, I just had a quick question about um, when you did Star Trek Three. Um, when I know when you're like 13, there's, there's a lot of memories that fade away, of course, when you get older. But um, do you remember your first? ever experienced like meeting Leonard Nimoy for the first time. You remember what that felt yeah. like? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's interesting because he was so magnetic, but you know, my first impression of him, I was a little surprised that he was the only one who did the casting. You know, I had one call. I, I had an initial call and then I had a call back, couple um couple months later and it was him and only him both times and it was just on one hand you know in my head I'm going oh my god it's Leonard Nimoy oh my god it's Spock like you know I knew who he was mm-hmm. um but again kind of like I was saying to Eric like living in LA you run across celebrities and familiar faces all the time and you almost sort of learn to keep your cool a little bit, you know, like you sort of, you know, try to, try to stay cool around them. And later on you go like, Oh my God, I met Leonard Nimoy. That was so crazy. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I I remember walking in and kind of thinking, huh, it's Leonard Nimoy. Okay, here we go. And then, you know, we just, we just chatted. Um, But on set, I have to, I have to say on set, like he was, really great as a director because he, first of all, you know, he would get down on his knee and talk to me at eye level, you know, and huh. talk to me like I was the only person in the room. Um, nice. He, sorry. Oh, I said nice. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he was very calm. I mean, I've been on plenty of sets and then where people, everyone is kind of stressed out and yelling and, you know, the energy is very angsty, um, and this was not Leonard Nimoy's set. Like, he was just very calm and soft-spoken and direct, um, you know, just kind of told me what I needed to do. I, I don't remember anybody raising their voice above much more than a whisper, and I could be wrong about that, but, you know, I mean, even on a well-run set, usually there's, there's an AD going like, okay, people, you know, cut, print, that's lunch, and sort of yelling it out so everyone can hear. Um, and I just remember this, 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 it felt very, even though we were on this giant Genesis that on the Paramount lot, um, it just felt very calm and he was a very reassuring presence and, and, and magnetic. You know, I, I do remember, you know, in my kid way, like, you know, when they called lunch, just just hoping that I got to have lunch with him. And, you know, of course that wasn't the case because he had to go do director stuff. And so, you know, my mom and I went to the commissary and got a sandwich. Um, But, you know, he definitely had that sort of air about him that kind of just made you want to be around him. And maybe that's because he was famous. 
But I huh. also think it's just, I just think that, that he conveyed that, like that he just had a charisma like that. Nice. What do they cool. call that? They call that gravitas, right? Yes. He definitely had gravitas, but not in a way that was intimidating. Like, I, I guess, like, when I hear gravitas, I think of, you know, kind of a badass chewing on a cigar or something, you know, like, <laughs> like who, who scares you. And he wasn't scary. He just, it, he was serious about his work. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like everyone else was serious about their work, too. Like, it just seemed like, you know, people there, they were just artists and artisans just, you know, working at their utmost to get this film made. Um and just doing it with a quiet intensity. So it was, he was, you know, meeting him was really cool. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sad. I never got to meet him again after that day. Uh, that was going to be my next question. Like, did you get to meet him again? But I guess you just answered that for me. <laughs> yeah, no. And, you know, it, it's, I'm kicking myself because there were times when I could have, you know, there were, there were, there were cons that were near me where I knew he was going to be there. And I just thought like, Oh, you know, I don't want to deal with the crowd and he probably won't remember me anyway. Um, mm. You know, and, um, and, you know, I, I, I wish I hadn't talked myself out of it now. Uh, so um, my next question was going to be about uh, the other crew of the Enterprise, um, did you get to meet any of the, like, Captain Kirk or Sulu or any of those? No, no one, uh, the day I was filming, none of the, none of the crew, none of the main crew was there. It was just me oh. directing, uh, and then it was Robin Curtis and Merritt Buttrick, whose memory is a blessing, uh, him, you know, those two and me. Uh, and then there wow. was, there were a couple, there were not Christopher Lloyd and not John Larroquette. There was someone there who was like one of the Klingons and he was out of costume that day, um, kind of like Jim was in the morning at Trek Long Island. Uh, and then, <laughs> and, um, but he, I don't know, he, I remember him kind of, you know, I was there with my mom because I was a kid. And I remember him kind of showing us around and, and he took us to the bridge of the Grissom. I didn't get to go on the bridge of the Enterprise, but um, uh, I got to go on the bridge of the Grissom, which was, you know, pretty cool still. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I remember going to props and wardrobe and, you know, seeing a table with, like, um, a lot of Klingon stuff laid out on it, like disruptors and, and whatnot, huh. and, you know, wanting to touch everything but being scared to touch anything, you know. Um, the kid and me wanted to press all the buttons. Of course. <laughs> you know, the, the guy that didn't want to get fired before he shot his scene, you know, <laughs> kept his hands by his side. Nice. So I just got one last question for you before I, uh, you know, yeah. end the show, I suppose. But uh, yeah. th- um, there's just a question that I've always been curious about Star Trek uh actors or people who worked on Star Trek, but there's this question going on for all those people in that kind of field. Um, if you could choose any Star Trek technology, which one would you like to become reality? Oh, probably something to do with the med bay. Um, you know, um, I, you know, either just, just the tricorder that can kind of analyze people for any sort of medical conditions or, you know, I mean, 
you know, a lot of the, a lot of the beds in the med bay just just have what you know to to us in in this era would seem like miraculous healing qualities. Like I always remember in a Star Trek four, like McCoy's walking through a hospital and he sees a guy in a stretcher. And he's like, what's wrong with you? And the guy, I forget what the guy says. He's like, you know, I've got liver cancer or something. And, and McCoy's like, here, take these, you know? And like walks yeah. away shaking his head like, God, it's like the goddamn dark ages, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, essentially just like heals the guy with a pill, you know, of something that we currently have no cure for. So, yeah. you know, just, I think, I think the trek, I, I don't, I, I can't really narrow it down to one device. But you know, the 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 ability, you know, what what they can do with a med bay in Star Trek, I think would would be, you know, I think you, that would that would benefit humanity the most. Yeah. But of course, faster than light travel would be amazing. <laughs> That's just gonna get us into trouble without the good med tech. I know. I know exactly. You know, somehow. I don't know if any of you guys um, have read um, uh, the Remembrance of Earth trilogy by Qi Xin Lu. He's like a Chinese sci-fi writer. The first book is called The Three Body Problem. Hmm. Um, oh, it's I I don't want to go down too deep a tangent, but he's got this whole theory that's almost like the opposite of Go Boldly. He calls it the Dark Forest theory. Um, Huh. Wonderful books, and they're adapting them to a TV show. So if you get a chance, check them out. But nice. you know, just a, every time I think of faster than light travel, now you know, I kind of think of this guy's dark forest theory, and you know, think like, oh man, are we gonna, are we gonna bite off way more than we can chew? <laughs> but yeah, having said that, now 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 that I'm rethinking my answer, I, I, I'm I'm gonna nix the altruistic one, and I'm gonna go with faster than light travel. <laughs> nice. nice. Consequences be damned. <laughs> <laughs> Get back to Earth and everybody's older. <laughs> That's right. Well, somehow they managed to do it without like relativistic changes, though, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's because it's subspace you know? and it's not real space. And yeah, we should do a whole uh-huh. podcast on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm saying whatever the workaround is, you know. Um, you know, that and the Heisenberg compensators, whatever gets us there. <laughs> they do it all. They do it all. Um, they compensate, man. They do some serious compensating. Uh, cool. So, um, yeah, there you go. Nice. Well, thank you for answering my questions, and thank you for answering all of our questions. It was nice yeah, having you on been, the podcast. It's been, uh, it's been such a privilege and a joy to talk to you all. I really appreciate you guys having me. And, um, you know, I hope this podcast was somewhat interesting for your listeners and for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a blast. Thank you. I'm so glad that, that I went over and talked to you, both as myself and as my alter ego at Truck Long Island. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it was, I, yeah, okay. I'm sorry that we couldn't get Robin. I, I tried and tried and tried to get Robin on so the two of you could be together, but I, I just couldn't couldn't make it happen so i apologize yeah i think she's no don't worry about it you know i i think she's just really busy with her own life like she she takes a while to respond to me too you know and i just think you know she's 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 got a lot going on um but if you know if you ever if you ever get her on and you want me to come back as her you know second or whatever i'd be happy to do it um this is a lot of fun i'm still 
I'm still trying. Edwin, Edwin's going to try to reach out to her and see if we can make something happen. And then you'll be the first one I get in touch with so we can have a Genesis Planet reunion right here on the podcast live. That'd be awesome. Oh, can I, can we give some quick props to uh, Edwin and Stephanie and Rachel for, you know, for doing Trek Long Island for just making it just, I mean, a wonderful experience from my point of view. And it seems like everybody enjoyed it for the most part. So I just, I I just want to give them and they, Go ahead. I did a show with Stephanie uh, last Monday. I did a show with Stephanie, and uh, we talked about how, you know, the show and Edwin and Rachel and everybody came together. It was like a giant. I actually, and... I actually listened to that show. I was doing my, I was doing yeah. my, I was doing my homework. I listened to it, and and um, uh, Matt from Trek Untold too. Um, yes, Matt was know. there. Yep. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, just, I, I, I want to make sure, like, you know, anyone who's listening to this next year, if you can make it to Hop Hog, New York, go to Trek Long Island. It's a great con. There's amazing people like Jim there, both in and out of Klingon gear. And hmm. um, it's worth it. It was really fun. And um, yeah. and Charles, David, and Eric, I hope you guys can make it next year. Are you going to yeah, be dressed cool. up as a Vulcan? As a Vulcan. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, Someone, you got to do it. Mine, a friend of mine sent me a picture of, of him and Robin Curtis at an older con, and she was in full Vulcan makeup and uniform. And oh. I was just like, oh, my God, do I have to go, like, dress as a Vulcan? I don't have any of that together. <laughs> I, like, panicked for a second. But, yeah, maybe, you know, I, I have to put on – I probably have to put on Spock's uh, meditation robe because that's what they had me in, mm-hmm. um, in in the movie. So that will be comfortable. You know, it's Absolutely. slowly, slowly. You can do whatever you want underneath that, brother. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. <laughs> I can go. I can go commando under Spock's robe. I'll <laughs> 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 never know. <laughs> you don't want to go with the save the whale shirt? <laughs> Ooh, that's tempting, but you know that's not my trek. So I feel like you know I feel like I'm invading someone else's territory. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, a Back to the Future shirt. There you go. Okay. Oh, now we're talking. Yes, sir. There you go. <laughs> you could you could also dress up as the Gorn suit. Nobody would know. It's true. As, as a what? That's true. The Gorn suit. Oh, oh the Gorn suit. That's yeah. true. Nobody <laughs> would know. Hey, do you guys do you guys like the new Gorn? Do you like the way they're doing Gorn on um, Brave New World? Yes, sir. If you Strange want to listen to, I'm sorry. Strange if you New World. Actually, if you actually want to listen to a pretty decent podcast, if I say so ourselves, uh, we did an hour-long special on the Gorn a couple of months ago, and we just headcanoned the heck out of it. I think we all Ooh. agree that the new Gorn are pretty cool and pretty darn scary, and I personally am really looking forward to where they go with them in Strange New Worlds because obviously they're coming. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They are pretty darn scary. And, yeah, I will definitely listen to that, that episode. Yeah, if you're and available fact, on that... if you're available on July 10th, we're going to have Andy Bray on, and he did a whole comedy skit about the Gorn. Uh, he does Mr. Chekhov, and he's going to tell what Mr. Chekhov thought about Kirk fighting the Gorn, and that's going to be on July 10th, and it was hilarious. Oh, that's awesome! Hilarious! Oh yeah, I'll definitely it was so funny. Because we figure that Kirk's Kirk's Gorn was a as an older much older okay. it's a geriatric born than what 
much older going than what we're dealing with in Strange New oh, World. Thank you, thank you. Because That's honestly, like I, I was, I was, I was trying to make that work in my head. No, and it's yeah, it's, a, it's a gore, it's an ancient Gorn who can barely walk, and that's why he's so slow. But he's still super strong. Right, right, yeah. Even Gorn yeah. senior citizens are super hard to fight. That's right. You know? That's right. Yeah. And, and a Gorn in their prime is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they even did oh, a comeback Gorn. in a commercial once. Yep. Yeah, Gorn toddlers, yep. you don't want to be around. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That is true. <laughs> Gorn toddlers were nasty. Uh. Almost no, got than that the AARP. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Anyways, I just I want to say thank you so much for hanging out and Trek talking with us. It's been it's been a blast talking to you tonight. Yeah, it's been really fun talking to you guys too. Thank you again for having me. And uh, thank, thank you, you for taking the time out of your busy schedule and and taking time from your family to talk with a bunch of Trek geeks. We really appreciate it. Oh, you know it. I'll abandon and my if family I get for a whole... Trek Geeks anytime. That's a real it. I do it every Thursday. I know, we all yeah. do. <laughs> They're waiting upstairs with dinner right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, Vaj, thank you so much. I- I'm so glad that you had a good time at Trek Long Island and meeting all the Star Trek fans and, and becoming part of our Star Trek family. You're a very welcome addition to the family, and I hope that you have a lot more Star Trek conventions in your future. All right. Thank you, my friends. Live long and prosper. Live Take long care, and prosper. And, yeah, and, and you know what? I'm going to play just for tonight's show. I usually end with Captain Picard, uh, but I'm going to end with something different in honor of Star Trek Three, I just want to let everybody know that Thursday night we'll be back, same bat time, same bat channel, and we'll be talking about last week's episode of Strange New World. We're a week behind so that all of our uh, global listeners can join into the podcast. So same bat time, same bat channel. And I just want to say to everybody, please, Star Trek fans are the best fans. And please stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. And in, in honor of Star Trek Three, we're going to end the show with this. Space, the final frontier. These are the continuing voyages of the starship Enterprise. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life forms, and new civilizations to boldly go where no man has gone before. places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, 
and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.